Hello and thanks for downloading or streaming this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the February edition of In Conversation With, presented by Andy Carter and Carl Gavigan. Every month we chat to the leader of the council, Councillor Steve Siddons, or another member of the cabinet to find out more about what we are doing across the borough and update on activity. Thank you both. This podcast is also your chance to ask questions of our political leaders, so if there is a burning issue or query you have, you can send it to us via email. The address is podcast at scarborough.gov.uk. You can also visit the podcast page on our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. Welcome back again, Steve. There's an awful lot I think we need to cover off this month, um, despite the fact that there is now only a few weeks to go before we as a council, Scarborough Borough, exist in our current form. Let's start, if we may, with the issue of West Pier. And just for the background for our listeners, we are proposing to completely transform the West Pier and, and Scarborough Harbour area as part of the Towns Deal projects. And you can read more about that on our website. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. West Pier, though, it's very to say has been fairly controversial and there are people that don't like the proposals. At Cabinet this month in February, you had to make a decision with your Cabinet colleagues about spending some extra money on this or putting some further money into the budget. Um, But Cabinet was interrupted by some protests, wasn't it? And there was an accusation that um, Cabinet councillors have been uh, spreading falsehoods about this. Not good to be interrupted when you're trying to conduct public business. But why do you think there are emotions are running so high on this particular issue? issue uh, around West Pier? It's difficult to know. This project has been well trailed over the last 18 months or so, and we've held more public consultations and private conversations with individuals than any other project that we've done. And, uh, And that's a public record. But for some reason, there's a relatively small group of people who are completely against the project and seem to want to things to stay just as they are. Now, given the fact that the buildings and the whole of the West Pier is in a pretty poor state of repair, um, caused by many years of of underfunding, that uh, it's difficult to understand why why they feel like that. They've obviously got their own reasons for that, but it doesn't really fit with what we're trying to do to improve the lives of those people who use that facility and the wider community in Scarborough and visitors. So on the day, we had a group of people who came into the public gallery and I don't mind people coming to observe the meetings. I'd I'd welcome it. Anyone wants to come and see how we do business. But the problem was last Tuesday that those people would not behave and shouted at us from the public gallery. And it got to the point 10 or 15 minutes into this where we really couldn't continue with the business. So I had to halt the meeting uh, and and ask for uh, people to behave themselves. Um, we came back after after a short time and they started again. So in the end, we decided that we would just continue uh, in spite of all the noise, which was not the easiest thing to do, and uh, and continue with uh, making the decisions that we are required to make. So those decisions were made. Um, one of the things that came out of that, because if you listen to the people who were in the public gallery, you would think that everyone is against this project, and that's simply not true. And in fact, later that week, a group of people who are supportive of it 
um, joined with officers and um, representatives from the new North Yorkshire Council to express their support for the scheme and, and want it to go ahead as quickly as possible. And that's a range of seafront traders, fishermen, businesses in the community, uh, a really wide range of people. And, uh, and I think people need to understand that, that this project is supported. It will benefit the whole of the borough and, and it will give uh, a new start to the West Pier and, and the people who use it. I understand at that meeting um, there was some people who, who are supportive of the plans, the regeneration and transformation of West Pier, told the meeting that they weren't necessarily always comfortable talking publicly about their support for the scheme because of intimidation and, yeah. and abuse. What's your f reaction to the fact that it's got to that point where some people are allegedly being threatened, intimidated, intimidated, subject to abuse over, over a, what would be a transformative scheme for this part of our town? Well, it's disgraceful, frankly, and and I I believe that that is the case. I've spoken to a number of people who've said that that they are being intimidated. They're being told to keep the mouth shut, and uh, if they don't support it, keep the mouth shut. I don't mind people having different views, but when we've reached a consensus on this, which has the support of the majority of people, and at the end of the day, I and my my cabinet are elected by the vast majority of the people in this borough who vote to make sure that we have a, a cabinet and a council that can operate and do its business with, uh, without, without fear or favour, and that's what we intend to do. At the same meeting, Steve, the cabinet voted to extend the selective licensing scheme that's running in Scarborough. Can you explain to us a little bit about it and why it's been such a success? We developed the licensing scheme a number of years ago, um, particularly for the town centre and the northern part of the centre of town. And the idea of it was to make sure that those landlords who rent out their properties do so um, with, with fairness and uh, the quality of the property meets at least a minimum standard. Uh, because in the past, that's not always been the case. Uh, each landlord has to pay a small fee, which pays for our inspections and, uh, and supports the staff who, who go out and, um, and make sure that the properties are in good condition. That scheme's worked really, really well. At first, one or two landlords were not happy about it, um, not happy about having to pay a fee and so on. But ultimately, the scheme has worked, and I think... The vast majority of landlords support it and they see the benefits of having the scheme and knowing that they can rely on that to make sure everyone is, is doing what they need to do. And you don't get any rogue landlords and, and the kind of things that we might have seen in the past. We expanded that scheme a couple of years ago to the south of the town centre, um, the Rams Hill area where, where I represent the people there. And, uh, and again, that scheme has been very successful. The, the schemes um, uh, are approved by government, but only on a three-year basis, I think it is. And, uh, and the three years was up on the original two schemes. So we've had to resubmit re, um, re our application to government to continue that scheme, which is what we've done. And, uh, and I think, I, I hope 
that that scheme continues well into the future. It'd be nice if, uh, if at some point in the future we didn't need it. But I think it's, uh, it's a good scheme and it, it really helps people who have to rent property in the knowledge that they, they will have a landlord who, who looks after them and makes sure that the facilities they're using are good enough. As you say, it's, it's worked really well. We've inspected a large number of properties. Thousands of faults have been identified and rectified because of these inspections. Currently, it's just located within Scarborough. Do you hope it could maybe be rolled out to, say, Whitby and Filey in the future? Some people in, in Whitby and Filey have said they would like that scheme there. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the need, whether we actually need to do that. Um, the government has set criteria for it. And, uh, and if, if our... If our accommodation doesn't meet that criterion and doesn't need it, then we wouldn't be allowed to do it. But we'll always keep the door open on that one. And uh, if there's a necessity to have a scheme in Whitby or Filey, then we won't hesitate to do that. OK, let's carry on with the housing theme. Um, and it's like almost like we're going down the agenda of everything that happened at Cabinet. But one other um, item that came up was the issue of some money we've been given from government to provide housing for refugees. Very positive. Our borough has, has a long history of welcoming people who are fleeing trouble and strife elsewhere. There has been some criticism, though, about this particular scheme that I've seen on social and in, in some circles. How do you respond to people who say, well, why are we getting this money and why homes for refugees in our borough when there are other pressing needs with large numbers of people on the, on the housing waiting list? Well, I think you've got to separate the two things. Uh, one is this country has, has a record of supporting people from other countries who are fleeing strife and poverty and so on. And I'm pleased about that and I'm glad that we continue to do that. And the government made a commitment uh, to support people from places such as Ukraine, uh, Syria, Afghanistan, and uh, and some of those people have come here. I've met with, with some of those people, and they are really lovely people who uh, are just in desperate situation. And many of them are very well educated. They've come from really uh, good backgrounds. But it's the same that would have happened here if, if, if something like that happened here. What would you do? You've got to put yourself in that situation. So the government have provided us some money because, as you rightly say, we don't have enough housing uh, for even for our people. And uh, they've given us some extra money to be able to provide some uh, specifically for this group of people. If those people weren't there, that wouldn't make any difference to the housing situation, the housing problems we've got. We'd still have 2,000 people on the housing waiting list. And, uh, and we, we are trying to resolve that ourselves and people who have followed this will know that we are tr planning a, uh, a housing joint venture with a private provider to uh, get rid of that housing uh, waiting list over a period of time and I'm hopeful that the new North Yorkshire Authority will continue that process that we've started but I think people have to have to understand that they need to put themselves in the situation of, of the people who are who are here at the moment, and uh, it, it's hard to imagine the, the horrors that they've faced. And just having somewhere to live uh, is, is the minimum we need to be trying to do. So I, I welcome the money that we've received. It's additional money that we wouldn't have got for any other purpose, and, uh, and hopefully it helps those people to, uh, to create a life here with us and, and contribute to the community. 
and contribute to, to the welfare of it. And it's timely as well, isn't it? Because we're recording this podcast uh, on the morning of the 23rd of February, Thursday. Tomorrow, the 24th, Friday, is the first anniversary of Russia's invasion uh, of Ukraine. We're flying the flag above Town Hall again today. There's a vigil, I understand, that's happening tomorrow on Friday. We're lighting the building here at Town Hall. Uh, What's your reflections a year on with the war still going on? Uh, it's very worrying. I, I didn't expect it to go on that long. Uh, I don't think anybody did. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's a year tomorrow. And uh, if you listen to some commentators, they say that we could still be out in that, this situation in a year's time. Ultimately, and it's a personal view, you don't get anywhere by fighting. You have to, at some point, sit down and agree on a course of action. And I think Ultimately, that will happen. It has to happen. But how many more lives will be lost before it does happen? So my hope is that that happens sooner rather than later. But when you see what's gone on in this last few days um, as the anniversary approaches, uh, there seems to be no appetite for that at the moment, which which is very worrying and concerning. Thank you, Steve. Let's just remind you, you're listening to a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This one's called In Conversation With and squeezed into our rather tight podcast booth this month is Steve Siddons, leader of the council. I'm Andy and also Carl. There's growing pressure on the government to get on with the devolution deal for North Yorkshire now that would see an elected mayor come in with more spending powers that would help drive our economy. Um, there's not been a lot of movement recently. What would you like to see the government do? Well, I'd like to see them fulfil their promises, uh, but they're not very good at that some of the time. So it would be uh, that the promises they've made for the additional money for North Yorkshire are actually delivered ahead of electing a new elected mayor in April, May next year. Um, I've said on a number of occasions that I I think that what's on offer is pretty poor, really. Uh, I don't know how the amount of money that we're being offered is going to make a huge amount of difference to uh, to the the fact that we're in a a pretty poor situation here in Yorkshire in in terms of funding. And uh, and the levelling up fund that we didn't get last month was a good example of that. I worry that this is, is not actually going to deliver what people would hope it would deliver. And um, I wait with interest to see what happens over the next 12 or 18 months. What would you like to see an elected mayor deliver? In, your, in an ideal world, what do you think it should be doing for the people of North Yorkshire? Well, in an ideal world, I think we should have had devolution for the whole of Yorkshire. I think Yorkshire deserves that. Yorkshire's one county. And what the government have done is divide and conquer uh, because they know that uh, a, a Yorkshire county would probably be a Labour county and uh, and that they're not happy about that. So they've split it up into four bits. And the benefits that you get when you split it into four bits are not as great as, uh, as it would if it was one whole. So I, what we expect from devolution is to have control of our own destiny. And that includes most spending, really, uh, that is not spending that has to be done nationally. So transport's a good example. Uh, the transport in, in Yorkshire, and North Yorkshire in particular, is appalling. And uh, 
I was just reading uh, the other day a friend of mine, John Grogan, who used to be the MP for uh, Keithley, is campaigning to have the rail line reinstated there between Keithley and Skipton. It's only going to cost £300,000 to do that, which is, in terms of government spending, is absolutely nothing. And it could make a huge difference to that area. And the government just don't seem to want to know. And, you know, the money's just not... It's not delivering what it's supposed to deliver, in my opinion. But, um, you know, we live in hope, and we live in hope that uh, that things will change. And uh, I live in hope that there'll be a Labour government next year and that they will change dramatically. So we are where we are with it. Um, I can understand Councillor Les's frustrations, and I think that uh, he has to keep pushing uh, the people in power to uh, deliver what they promise. Thank you, Steve. Um, a couple of other issues we just want to finish off on, if we may. Um, the first one is there has been some recent press coverage about the state of um, private accommodation, and this is about tourists, so um, some independent hoteliers, and one has gone on the record and saying that he feels that in 20 years' time there will be no independent hoteliers uh, in our borough uh, because of a, quote-unquote, a lack of support from us as, as an organisation. Now, uh, you won't be surprised to know we've gone back with a, with a robust kind of rebuttal on that to make the point that actually um, independent um, hoteliers and accommodation businesses are the bedrock of our borough and we see them as, as, um, as absolutely crucial to our, to our future success. Um, what's your thoughts on that and when we get criticised? And again, it kind of almost goes back to West Pier where someone's perhaps um, you know, being a little bit misleading to say the least. There's room for everybody in this. You know, there's, there's a shortage certainly of high-quality um, hotel accommodation. And I, and I don't mean that disparagingly. I mean, I mean the four-star-plus type of hotel uh, that some people who, who visit here will, will go to. They, they won't go anywhere else. They'll go to that kind of accommodation. And there's a shortage of that. So that means there's a shortage of one group of people who, who don't come here. Um, the... The bed and breakfast type accommodation or the small hotel accommodation is the bedrock and that's where most people stay when they come here. And we, like with everything else, we will do all we can to support them. Uh, but my understanding of the, the issues that have arisen recently are more to do with planning. And uh, there are strict rules around planning uh, as far as uh, any change of use of accommodation is concerned. That I can tell you, there's there's no hidden agenda here to uh, to to do away with one group or try and promote another group. I think that they're all important for for the benefit of the borough, and uh, and long may they continue, and I'm sure they will. It's worth pointing out as well, of course, that we will continue to support the tourism industry in our borough uh, and that will continue to be supported even when the new unitary council comes into being on the 1st of April because it's so fundamental to the economy of this borough and, the, and this part of the coast. It, it is. Uh, it's, you know, it's something like 40% of the, uh, of the economy of this borough and uh, that's a, a significant amount. And, and I think that whilst I'd like to see more opportunities for people in maybe higher paid, more secure areas uh, than tourism, which inevitably is part-time and seasonal. Uh, nevertheless, tourism is an important part of the business here and we'll continue to support it as we've always done. 
As many of you may have seen in the news recently, there's been a lot of talk about 20 mile an hour speed limits in North Yorkshire. Uh, there's been accusations flying around on both sides of the debate about misleading figures, how much it might cost to set up and whether it will actually make any difference to drivers and residents. What's your view on this, Steve? Where do you stand on 20 mile an hour speed limits? I, I'm not an expert on this and I don't know whether bringing in 20 mile an hour speed limits would help or not. I think more important for me is not the speed limit, but it's the uh, making sure that the speed limit is adhered to. And, and I see lots and lots of examples of, of roads in the town uh, where people just simply do not adhere to the speed limit uh, and exceed it at every opportunity. And it's the same with traffic lights, which is a, a real bone of contention with me, the number of people who drive through red traffic lights. It seems to have become the norm these days. I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older and, and more grumpy, but, um, but those are the things that uh, I think are more important. Uh, I think there are places for, for 20 mile an hour speed limits outside schools and so on, uh, but you need to keep the traffic moving as well. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a balance really, like many things in life. The driving force behind this push, if, if you'll pardon the pun, is local residents. Leaving aside the issue of 20 mile an hour speed limits, do you think it's right that residents do have more of a say on issues like, the say, speed limits in their village or in their towns, and issues like this that affect them? Should their voice be listened to a bit more, maybe? Yes, of course it should. Uh, that, that's the whole point of democracy, isn't it? That people should have their voice listened to. But that doesn't mean that we just listen to the people who shout loudest. It's got to be a balance, and... Uh, and people like local government have to actually make sure that everyone's listened to. And, and one of the things that I've found uh, while being in local government uh, in, in the position I'm in is that the vast majority of people don't say anything about anything. And it's those quiet voices that you need to tease out because they're usually the ones who are maybe more balanced in their view. Um, whenever an issue arises, and, and I, I fully understand parents getting getting worked up about the safety of the children, especially around schools and so on, and in, and in the streets. Uh, but I think that you've got to balance that against lots of other things, and I think there's more than one way to resolve many of these issues, I think education of people, and making sure that people behave more responsibly when they're driving, uh, whether it's on a, in a car, on a bike, or, or in a, on a motorbike. And uh, I think it's, it's like many things in life, it's getting that balance right. Thanks very much, Steve. Well, let's bring things to an end now and a quick look ahead to next month's edition. And that will be published towards the end of March. And it will be the last in this series. If you are a regular listener, you will know that we, Scarborough Borough Council, are coming to an end on the 31st of March. A single unitary council is going to replace us and it will provide services across the whole of North Yorkshire from the 1st of April. It hasn't yet said whether initiatives like this podcast will continue in future. That means there is one final opportunity for you to put your questions to Steve as leader of our council. If you have a question for next month's edition of this podcast, send a note to podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk and we will put your questions to Steve um, next month. If you've missed a previous episode, go to scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts where you can download or stream all our content. And don't forget you can now find this podcast and its sister programme, Borrowcast, on your favourite hosting platform. 
Make sure you follow or subscribe to get notifications when we upload a new edition. In the meantime, thanks for listening. From Andy. Goodbye. Steve. Goodbye. And me, Carl. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk. Thank you.